special needs, special interests, our special friends. Ha! Please, there ain't nothing special about our guests. I'm Tommy Trout. And I'm Jackson Trout. And I'm Erica Gleeson, and welcome to the WeFlex podcast, You're Not Special. A place for us to chat with those in our WeFlex community with lived experience who aren't inspirational and don't mind telling you so. We're back, and this time we're covering part two of ADHD. Jay Lucky the Great overcame his debilitating social anxiety and did such a sensational job at sharing some insights on the previous episode. However, like autism, ADHD is impossible to cover in one episode, so we're super keen to gain some other perspectives. Look, it's no surprise that I'm a hard woman to impress, especially when it comes to social media where I hate most things that I see. But our next guest is actually in my top five Instagram friends. Big call. Her daily running commentary really bloody entertains me. She's also a famous podcast producer, including True Crime Conversations, Mamma Mia, and more recently, The Space. As a result, she's used to spending her days on podcasts with royalty and fame, and so she obviously begged us to be a guest on today's episode. Elise Cooper, thank you ever so much for being here today and for begging us to come on. How are you feeling? I am feeling very overwhelmed. Uh, Wow, top five? Eric Gleason. Who the hell got in front of me? I just want to say I can't believe I wasn't number one, but I'll just have to do better. <laughs> Please pull your socks up. There's always yep. room growth there. True, true. Um, and maybe I've never told you. How, I'm not I'm not reactive. I don't necessarily tell you how funny your stuff is or like it. I'm just a bit passive on there. But, yeah, I find it really entertaining. And please continue doing what you're doing. It is always good, uh, a nice little litmus test for my mental health when someone reaches out and goes, are you okay? Because I'll post something that's like a little bit cooked or just like a bit too unhinged maybe for the general public. And it's like, doll, did you mean to put that on close friends? And I was like, no, but should I have? <laughs> yeah, I've just followed you on Insta now that I know that. Oh, I feel like that's something else. Erica, am I in your top five? You're, you're my number one for everything. Thomas, I've never called Thomas, but Tommy Napoleon Trout. Um, That is so insincere. TPT, I'm going to have to beat you. Got it. You're a number one. I've got to knock you off the top spot. That's one thing MySpace got right is the ability to rank your friends. True. (laughs) And, oh, my goodness, the conflict that that used to cause in friendship groups. No, it was clarity. That was a great way for us to all enter adolescence was to have a visual representation of how unpopular or popular we were. It was great for me. (laughs) It was a primer for high school. Like, this is how the world works. But, you know, it's easier than, like, now I have to send an email to all my friends with the power rankings and where they all are and Mm. the movements every week. It was so much more efficient on MySpace. I've never received that email, funnily enough. But um, speaking of growing up, Elise, let's launch right in. How did you make sense of life whilst growing up with ADHD? I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was an adult. So looking back on it, it really looks a lot different than how I was experiencing it. Mm -hmm. At the time, you would get like, you know, those very typical um, school reports that was like Elise would be really good if she applied herself and at least didn't get distracted. She could do really well. Um, the joke was on them because I got distracted and still did really well, which 
frustrated my parents no end because they were like, you didn't do any work and you just cruised by, which, you know, if I really liked something, I did really well at it. But if I had even an ounce of difficulty or opposition or, or actually more importantly, if I didn't like a teacher, I really just, I disengaged and did atrociously. Like, I think a perfect example is in high school, I did Japanese, no interest in Japanese whatsoever, but the teacher was amazing. And I ended up doing Japanese through to university, which like, again, no affinity for languages. It's actually a little bit like maths, which I never really, I was never very great at maths, but because the teacher was the right balance of kind, but also would do like the parental, I'm disappointed in you if you don't try. I really wanted to impress her. And so, I mean, I think she had got my number very early on. But looking back at like my high school years in particular, it's very interesting to think, I wonder what it would have been like if I had had a diagnosis then. I don't know if it would would have necessarily been better, is what I would say. Mm. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. It definitely would have helped me in university. I dropped out of university when I was 20, 21. And also I should take a step back and say, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't diagnosed until I was an adult, but I didn't really get my formal diagnosis until I had what I would call like a softball mental breakdown where I'd had some tragedy in my life. I mean, I'd had my first boyfriend had broken up with me. My cousin had passed away in an accident. I was really struggling at uni because I just wasn't interested in it. And I went to my GP and I was just like, I haven't felt this bad for, you know, since I was in my late teens because I was quite depressed in my late teens vibes. What should I do? And he recommended I go to a psychiatrist and I eventually, I saw that psychiatrist for a little bit and I really didn't like her because as I had found most psychiatrists at the time were very um, prescriptive and obsessed about a diagnosis and I just wanted someone to talk to, which is what a psychologist is for, I learnt later. Um, And I went to Headspace and kind of bawled my eyes out to this woman who I didn't realise she was actually just the person who takes like admissions and then tells you where to go. (laughs) And so I was sitting there being like, my cousin's died and I'm alone and I've dropped out of uni. And she's just like, great. Like I'm a receptionist. (laughs) I'm the work experience kid. (laughs) Truly, truly. Um, And then they hooked me up with a psychologist and a psychiatrist there. And the psychiatrist there had said quite early on that he thought that I had um, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I refused to accept it because I, in my head, ironically, y'all, in my head, that meant I would have to take medication for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that person. I didn't want the stigma of it, which I now know it is stigma at the time. I was just like, Oh, it's lame. Like I don't want to have ADHD. And, I sat out the front of the uh, organization in the gutter and just like cried and bawled my eyes out and called my best friend at the time. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? This sucks so much. And she was just like, doll, of course you have ADHD. And I'd known her since high school. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, come on, it's not that bad. I was like, oh, isn't it? (laughs) She's like, no. It's funny how sometimes you're the last to know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, but I just thought I was like a kooky, cool girl. And she's like, yeah, you can be a kooky, cool girl and also have ADHD. Those two things are not like mutually exclusive. 
I was like, oh, anyway, yeah. So once I got the diagnosis and I started to take medication for it, I didn't really notice initially. And then after maybe the first week, I really noticed a big difference just in my organization and my focus. And I was also at the same time diagnosed with um, bipolar 2. And so a big part, I know a lot of people struggle with the medication not being able to go to sleep, but I got a lovely little chemical concoction where for my bipolar, I had to take a medication that would just knock me out at night time. So (laughs) go straight to sleep. Um, And so I was very lucky with my bipolar diagnosis that I was prescribed that. But yeah, just a very strange time in my life that like, I don't know if knowing when I was a teenager would have helped me more because I was already having such a hard time at school socially and academically and, like, I was bullied a fair bit and kind of not knowing what it was, just thinking that I was, like, the weird girl who loved music and was a bit socially awkward and loud and rambunctious. That was enough. I think if I had put a diagnosis on myself at that time, I don't know how I would have coped. (laughs) Mm, Very interesting. It's interesting how it was really only out of your softball breakdown that this occurred. Do you reckon there's any chance you would have come across your a a name for your uh, condition otherwise, like, or you just would have been? I don't think so. I think I, I did a lot of research early on. Well, I say research. It's not research. It's Googling. Um, Yeah, yeah, research (laughs) is uh, people go to university and do study and write papers. I didn't do research. I Googled some things that aligned with my beliefs. Um, No. (laughs) I'm right.com. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I looked some stuff up because I was just like, you know, what, what is the prevalence of ADHD, particularly in women? I knew that it was underdiagnosed for um, women and girls. I worked at a kids' radio station um, for a time and did a piece on ADHD in girls just because I was so fascinated because the stigma that I had about it was I was like, well, you know, I, was, I don't want to be like the hyperactive weirdo who's throwing things at the wall. And through my research search for work, not actually through my psychiatrist, they were saying, well, no, like hyperactivity isn't necessarily as predominant in women and girls. It's more like daydreaming and inattentiveness and as an inattentive type. And I was like, what? Mm. So yeah, that, that really helped again with my quote unquote research <laughs> and it made me feel less like I was broken I suppose Mm, mm. because there was also something that I've been told even in my working life up until like when I was getting diagnosed I had a boss who was very old school and she would like I was a receptionist and she would like rouse on me for being disorganized and things and and, you know having the messy cupboards and whatever that I was supposed to you know be in charge of and now like in my work I'm like the spreadsheet girl and I've like got all my like ducks in a row and people people come to me for the processes and I just think back to like 22 year old Elise who like <laughs> when I worked for an acting agency had like fan mail piling up because I was just like I just don't not for me obviously I worked for an acting agency and like people would you know send in all these ridiculous things and I'd just be like I don't know how to deal with this so I'm just gonna shove it in a cupboard and then my boss was like what the fuck is this cupboard and I was like don't look there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, that's very all very, very interesting stuff because I think a lot of the time people go in to seek a diagnosis having already an idea in their head where that's going to lead, where yours was in the completely different direction. So what a, what a roller coaster. And here you are. Yeah. Um, you mentioned before stigmas. I'm keen to um, understand from you what ADHD stigmas have you seen change over time and what else needs to change in your opinion? Big question. I mean, the biggest one for me initially was my own stigma towards it when I thought it was going to mean that I was not a good person, basically. I was hopeless and annoying and a burden. Um, so it's not, I mean, I like to think I'm not a burden now. <laughs> well, it depends on the day. But how would I like to see them change? I mean, I even, I still experience them, you know, even in my day-to-day -day life. I had a huge fight with my mum once in my early diagnosis because she, like, said to me offhandedly, oh, you know, did you take your meds today? And I absolutely like, flew off the handle and I was like, how dare you? And I hadn't. Uh, and that was why I was <laughs> acting like an, an <laughs> asshole. Um, but I was like, <laughs> my meds don't define me, you piece of shit. Ah! Um, next minute, take them, and I'm like, I'm so sorry for yelling at you, mum. Um, Snickers bar ad, like you're not yourself when you're unmedicated. Like, truly, <laughs> girl, did you take your real in today? Shut up! No, I didn't. Ah. Obviously not. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's just there's also a lot of uh, for me there are a lot of self stigma as well. So I notice myself different when I'm not particularly for my um, ADHD when I wasn't on my medication. To like, it would become a bit of a joke at work where if I'd forget to take it, which is so funny that people talk. As a side note, it's so funny that people talk about how addictive all of these things are, and they're like, they're really, you know, we're worried about overprescription and people being addicted to this stuff. I'm like, Bitch, I forget to take this all the time. Like, I will get to work and be like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, no wonder I'm falling asleep at my desk. Like, I haven't taken my Ritalin today, and I can't like get anything done. It's a running joke at work if I'm just a bit all over the shop. <clears throat> A woman who I'm really close with will be like, did you take your real one today? <laughs> and I'll be like, I didn't. Now, Lise, I need to ask you a question. Yes. Okay, in your research about ADHD, did you find out which vaccine causes it? Ah, uh, yes. That would be the badass <laughs> vaccine. I was given it at birth, um, much to my parents' chagrin. And you know what? It's so weird they didn't give me my diagnosis till I was 22 because I was like, you gave it to me when I was born. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, so, no. So bringing the conversation to health and fitness, which oh, is yes. what we do and love and promote, um, I have seen some of your or I'm aware of some of your health and fitness goals. I'm going to rattle off a few and you can correct me. You recently swam 1K, which was a goal for you. You completed a half marathon. Nice. You're on a rock climbing venture. Look, the list is endless. Wait, what? The rock climbing venture? What's that? You tell us, Elise. I find, the, the, the I find rocks. Elise will tell me, Erica. <laughs> no, Erica, look, you take this what, one. Elise, I'm going to let you field this question about you. Oh, come on. Come on. We're going to share the love. 
Um, it's actually really good also because I've ADHD to like sometimes change it up because otherwise I then get in my head and I'm like, I have been talking this whole time and I don't know where this story is going, um, which you'll probably notice. That's as, good, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I started talking and in my head I knew where this was going and now it's halfway there and I just want to close my mouth. Um, sometimes anyway. I tune out during one of my stories and I come back to it and I'm like, where was I? <laughs> exactly. Um, so my fit, oh man. So the oh, rock climbing is is. So I don't do indoor rock climbing, which is with the um, ropes and things, yeah, yeah. because that goes for ages. What I do, which seems a lot more dangerous, but is not as hard, I think, because you don't have to climb for as long, is bouldering. Yes. So that's no ropes or anything, and you're only ever like two and a half metres, three metres yeah, off yeah. the ground, and the floor is really squishy, and I... Uh, I have discovered that it is one of the very few exercises that I can do where I feel rewarded and also like my brain is fed. So I will do it and it's like an incredible challenge and it feels insurmountable at the time, but also it lasts like 20 seconds. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I, I do bordering three times a week. I freaking love it. Yeah. You know why? I reckon it's problem solving, right? Because every route is a puzzle and you've got to work it out. Truly? And you, there's absolutely this the, sort of like the by the one third in with the difficulty, you get to a point where you can't like out muscle it or just like force the issue. You actually need to be smart and think it out and uh, be clever. And I love that. And that's where I'm at. And I'm not doing well, but it's like I love that. It's just yeah. problem solving. It's so fun. That is my favorite part of it is the problem solving part of it yeah. because I forget that it involves strength as well. You get halfway up and you're like, uh, shit, this next hold, for example, like they're not like a door handle hold. It no. would be like your fingers have to slope on it or you have to like kind of grip it a little bit funny and you have to be looking for where you put your feet. And it's great because if I get caught up in my own head, which I always do, and I go too far with my hands and I haven't moved my feet, all of a sudden I fucked myself. So you need to be constantly talking in your head. You're like, hand foot, hand foot, hand foot. Because if I'm like, oh, everything's really easy for my hands and I suddenly forget to move my feet at all, all of my weight is suddenly transferred to my arms and I'm not particularly strong and then I fall off. It's, it's so um, it's so funny how you're inside. There's literally a gigantic mattress underneath you. You can be 30 centimetres off the ground and if you slip a little bit, you've still got that, Jesus Christ, I'm going to die. Yep. Like oh. moment of like holding on for dear life. And for someone looking, it looks so ridiculous that you're freaking out. Like you can literally step down and be off the wall and you're freaking out like it's a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm upside down. I could die. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. Uh, uh, least as someone else who has given the badass bitch vaccine and got ADHD, <laughs> um, I got, I was diagnosed around like when I was still like in single digits. Like I think it was like nine or eight. And I be always prescribed a riddle and I took it all throughout my uh, you know childhood up until like early, you know, till my late teens. Uh you, I take it, were kind of like diagnosed later in life and you took Ritalin like much later in life. Uh if you are you so you're still taking it and did they say like how many years it takes a while for you to no longer be on it, or is it like a permanent basis now? Well, they never really told me they never expressly said either way. Uh, they were just like, we're going to take, you're going to take this and this is what you're doing. However, um, I got married this year. Yay, me. And uh, part of the next, 
thanks. I just wanted to just want, and that's the end of the story. I got married, uh, and suck it. You did it. Um, no, <laughs> no, and part of our discussions were um, around having kids, and my uh, partner and I went to a geneticist because he has a genetic condition that he is um, concerned about passing on, and then the geneticist also had talked to me about the effect that uh, Ritalin can have on. Uh, a fetus during pregnancy and basically the idea is they're like you really ideally we don't want you <clears throat> to be taking that when you're pregnant they're like your antidepressants are fine and your um, mood stabilizers are fine but we you don't want to be taking Ritalin during that time and I had heard like horror stories as everyone has of like so-and-so's sister's brother's cousin who stopped taking their meds and had a mental snap and, you know, yeah. ended up a vegetable or whatever. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Um, I'd like to, like, be a mum one day and be able to, like, hang out with my kid. Um, so I consulted with my psychiatrist who initially was a bit apprehensive. And then when I just explained to him that this was something I also really wanted to do, uh, he got more on board with it. And we've actually been decreasing my diet, my doses over the past eight months. Um, and hopefully we'll, in the next couple of months, we'll get to a point where I won't actually be on any medication. Um, for me, that's causes mixed emotions because I'm like, uh, I know that it will also require a lot more work from me purely just in my habit forming and keeping active and like making sure that when I notice behaviors that I don't like or aren't helpful to me, really analyzing them and being like, literally, have I drunk water today? Have I gone and touched grass? Like, when's the last time I exercised? Um, which is so annoying because it's like, yes, I know it helps and fuck you. Um, and my husband is always like, you know, you haven't, you know, done anything. You haven't got your heart rate up for a couple of days. And I'm like, shut your stupid, beautiful mouth. It's not that I you know, was scared to be on meds for my whole life. Just medically, they told me that it would be good to go off them. And look, if I got to a point where I have a kid and I have enough coping mechanisms and I fill up my life with ways to be able to mitigate the things from my ADHD that cause issues, mm -hmm. then that would be great. But also I would have no issues, you know, going back on higher doses because also like it, it really does help and it means I don't have to keep on track of you know myself as much if I've got other shit going on that's really distracting like having a child I hear they take a lot of work I, uh, was, I read a book I was just thinking <laughs> that like if, if you don't have enough to deal with all of a sudden mm -hmm. it's re-engineering your whole life without yeah. that chemical balance happening for you yeah so, fun adventures. Uh, I know, right? And then everyone always says that. They're like, but you'll be fine. And I was like, that's just your way of getting out of how awfully uncomfortable we both just made this conversation because we're like, oh, fuck, it's me who has to do it. He. But you're doing it. I've, I've seen Erica, like, I've seen Erica, like, not love parts of the motherhood journey. Now she's like, oh, it's great. You should absolutely. All parents, all new parents do this. It's like this weird, you're going to do it too. If I'm doing this, you're doing this. You will yeah. suffer the way. Everyone's going to do it. Um, no, but I do, kudos to you for actually going through this whole process and researching it and, you know, slowly fading out your, your dosage levels and things like that. Like this is this is a lot of preparation for you. So it's a lot to, to mentally have to work through. So 
you're incredibly organized and that's that's one thing that's the riddle and no kidding that's it's not <laughs> do, do, do you reckon there's do you reckon um a, being adhd and that being the way your brain works in any way influenced your career choice working on podcasts because I imagine podcasts are pretty pretty crazy in that they can cover all kinds of topics, anything can happen, and there's a bit of, if anything, a good podcast is tad chaotic. Do you reckon mm. there's an element of that that actually speaks to your brain and makes it happy? Absolutely. I mean, I have noticed recently that periods where I am the most unhappy in my work is when I'm in the most routine. Yeah. So I'm mm. not saying I don't thrive in chaos because chaos is – I think chaos is a bad thing. Uh, but if I have sight over the chaos and I know where it's going, then I'm like, fuck yeah, I love this shit. But if it's like uh, I did get into a bit of a rut maybe about six months ago where all the work that I was doing, I was just like, oh, it's just all a bit routine, you know, hitting my goals or not hitting goals and I don't really have any more ideas sort of stuff. Whereas when someone is throwing things at me that is a real challenge – I really love to be able to solve that. But then once it, it's like, okay, I've solved the challenge and the goal is achieved and we just need to keep achieving that goal. I'm like, boring, next thing. Like, <laughs> I won. I don't need to do it again. I won. Exactly. I Truly. I'm like, time. we have the best day ever, so I'm never doing it again. See ya. <laughs> That's the craziest thing, though. I think one of the, the biggest things that I see with ADHD is I think that there's no focus. And, like, everyone I know with ADHD is, got that hyper-focus thing hyper-focus. where they'd, like, three days later you come out of your room and, like, I did it. Yeah, truly. <laughs> truly like, I, I resent being not allowed to fix problems for people because I'm like, I know how to fix this. Yeah, truly. The other day, my <laughs> husband had like a OneDrive syncing issue on his computer where I was like, oh my God, this has literally already happened to me before at work and I know how to fix his problem. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I know how computers work too. And I was like, okay, I don't want to fight you, but I know how to fix this. So if you don't get out of this chair, let me fix this computer for you. He's just like, okay. I mean, he also then was like, no, I do know how to fix this. And then I got really hurt and really like, I kind of like went upstairs and like had a little sit down on my phone and like scrolled for a little bit. And I was, I was so resentful and came back out and he was like, I'm really sorry. Like if I upset you, I just, I really wanted to have a go at fixing it myself. (laughs) And I was like, I'm really sorry for getting upset at you for not letting me fix that. <laughs> that is the cutest little butthead story that I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Like, going upstairs and still going it. But it's like, I reckon, like, one of the deepest circles of hell is one of the punishments is watching someone struggle to, to fix something that you know how to fix really quickly. Like, I know with me and Jack, we've got nephews, and when they were younger, watching them do Lego and not follow the instructions and mess it up, I had no idea that it would hurt that bad. And I had to relieve the room. Like, I can't. No. Sorry. No. Like, I'm either yeah. doing it, but I'm not watching this. Like, it's one yeah. or the other. The mindfulness podcast that I do that's called The Space is two episodes a day, and they're really short, and they have tips in them. And when I took the project on, I was like, yeah, this will be fun, whatever, YOLO. And my God, the amount of times I message our writer, and I'm like, Amy, did you see into my life today to write this episode specifically about, like, how to not be resentful when someone is trying to do something that you aren't, like, that you are completely equipped to help them with, but they're not doing right. Or it's just, like, these little mantras that I have now in my head because just working on that show has made me so much more aware of my behaviours that are not someone else's deficit. If anything, it's how I am reacting to them. So I'm constantly thinking of my reactions and being like, how can I make this better? How can I not react to this in a way that will make someone else just close off from me more? Because I notice also the older I get, 
the less t- the less tolerance I get of people not being able to get it really quickly. Because I'm like, I was able to get it quickly. Why can't you get it quickly? And it's like, but that doesn't teach anyone anything, at least. That just, like, makes them close off from you and never want to share stuff with you. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy how all that, the self-growth and the self-awareness, you think that it will make the world clearer to you, but all it does is make yourself clearer and how you're not the hero as much as you think you are. And like, totally. oh, I'm actually uh, kind of... Kind of annoying sometimes. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was I'm, me. <laughs> oh, I'm the that. villain? Am I the villain? I'm not no. the drama. Am I the drama? It turns out I am. Bitch, you're the drama. It's the entire workforce that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, truly. Capitalism. It's capitalism as well. So, Let's it, shut it all down and go on holidays to the Maldives. Off we go. Like You always hit that demoralizing point with all that sort of meditation and uh, self-awareness stuff where you're like, oh, man, it's all me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I can only change myself. No, it I has to be someone else's fault. Yeah, it's funner when you're ignorant. It's everyone else's fault. That's just so much yeah. easier. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say that it was interesting going back to university after getting my ADHD diagnosis and just comparing my experiences pre and post. So pre ADHD diagnosis are like the classes, again, similar to high school, the classes that I really wanted to do. I got HDs in like high distinctions and the classes that I was like, I don't get this. And so I can't be bothered. I was absent fail. I didn't even turn up to the exams. So like my transcript is so interesting because I've I've accrued all these debt for all of these classes where like in the same semester, I'm like top of the class in some stuff and just didn't even turn up for the others. Mm. And then when I went back to uni, like consistently getting like I don't think I got many you know of those top marks but I got much better marks and actually went to class and went to my final exams I didn't have I distinctly remember the first time I went to uni literally not going to the end of your exam because I was too scared to go because I didn't think I'd do very well because I was like I didn't like this class I can't deal with facing it because it was a, a literal fear so I was like, I'm just going to put it away. It was like cancelling plans with someone that you don't actually want to see, <laughs> except you. You know, it cost me several thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> But the euphoria yeah. of bail- the second you bail oh, it in your head, oh, it feels good. <laughs> absolutely. Like the, the dopamine or whatever that flooded my body in like the days afterwards until I got my results that said absent fail. And I was like, oh, yeah, that exam was worth 50%. Oops. <laughs> Yellow. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I had a few other questions, but you've answered them. Just by letting you just just take the floor, Elise Cooper, I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the Space Podcast because I'd love to think this is the only podcast that people listen to, but the reality is maybe it's not and the yeah. space is very much related to mental health. But I think you've given us a little bit of insight into it. Is there anything else you want to tell us about it? Because it's amazing. Um, I would say the space as someone who was a mindfulness skeptic has literally changed my life Mm -hmm. uh, because, one, it's hosted by Casey Donovan, who is an Australian icon, but also her voice. That woman could read me my receipts and I would be, like, soothed out of a panic attack. (laughs) She's just, like, just got the most beautiful, velvety brain massaging voice when she's just like hey how's it going today you feeling like i'm gonna talk you through uh how to stop sending bitchy text messages to your friends when you feel sad like (laughs) it's just uh it's so good and yeah they're twice a day 
they some are there really really helpful tips and tricks with our wonderful writer Amy and I just sort of bring it all together as that's what I like about being a producer and also about having ADHD is you do so much of all of the stuff that nobody sees but it's so many little things that kind of like bring it all together and then I can be like I was involved too Mm. I'm helping (laughs) (laughs) see my name just pause it right there at the end credits you can see my name truly I mean you joke but I once helped a friend who was a casting director for casting the film Mulan I have no casting assistant credentials I was a receptionist at an acting firm yeah and I helped her for like two weeks when she needed someone and then when I was watching Mulan four or five years ago I was like oh my god my name's in the credits (laughs) paused it took a picture sent it to mum she was like oh what does that mean and I was like it's just literally filmed people for two weeks for my friend like (laughs) so that means you've got got an IMDB page now right literally Um, I do yeah, me, me and Jack do from when we were in – we were flamenco dancing flamingos in the Black Balloon. We've now got a, um IMDb page each. Shut and up. And it's only one thing. Oh, my God. Flamingos. We're the one, the one page IMDb kids right here, the one credit. <laughs> Woo. And then there's Erica, Australian of the Year, New South Wales yeah. Woman of the Year. Yeah. No well, IMDb we, page. Six documentaries. Not everyone can have an IMDb page, you know. It's all right, Erica. Some people just have to have, you, you know. You've got to stoop low enough and sell yourself out to the film industry like we did. She mad. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll make you up. Well, you'll make your way up to, like, number one on maybe Tommy's top five Instagram people to follow list. And then that will be your day. Long way to go. Long, <laughs> long climb. Long climb. At least he's honest about it. You've just completely outdone yourself, Elise Cooper. I knew you'd be great, but you were sensational. And what I find um, perhaps one of my favourite things about today's podcast is that our CEO, the big dog, gave us one directive for the podcast, which was no hard swearing. Oh, that was us. No, 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 no. That's yes, just us. It was glaring at me when he said that, to be honest with you. So you're okay, Elise. Don't worry about it. So we will be which is actually yeah. what we've been wanting to do because we're big fans of the beep and we okay. haven't had to beep anyone yet. So I'm very excited. Sure, I'm so sorry but also excited for you. Um, shall we title this episode Bring Back the Beep with Elise <laughs> Cooper? That, that, the funniest one is like unnecessary beep. You just beep out words where it's like she's good enough saying it for you to say it anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Hi, this episode is brought to you by Beep Cooper <laughs> and uh, – would, I'd also love to know, as a podcast expert, on a scale of nine to ten, what would you rate our skills? That's pretty great. I give nine. you guys a nine. Nine, nice. Nine yeah. out of ten from a podcast. That's pretty good. I will say, I like again because I'm always on the other side of the mic. I can hear myself when I'm talking, starting to tell stories, and then be like, "This story doesn't have an ending." Elise, shut the fuck up. And also when Erica asked her first question and I started talking about something that I was like, that hasn't answered the question, Elise, at all. And so now we're going to pivot and start to answer the question and this is completely uneditable in any way. So here is a seven-minute stream of consciousness that has not answered the question. Oh, well. It must be nice when it's not your problem and you don't have to produce it. You're just like, let's say you edit this, D-bags. Oh, no, I mean, I will. you're forgetting that I grew up Catholic, so the guilt will haunt me for the next 48 hours. Don't worry. 
Okay, okay. Well, then, but then a hard drop off after forty eight hours. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'll go and cleanse myself in a body of water get and the, get the it hair out. Hair shirt and the whip. <laughs> Um, we will let you go Elise but we are so incredibly grateful for your time and sharing your insights and we will be on the space like you know what's the word like leeches trying to soak up all that content so thank you for being a part of this that was my pleasure thank you and I'm sorry about the time I almost died of (laughs) it wasn't COVID but my god I didn't also didn't tell you when I, I had been sick but also I had had the runs. It was oh. just a whole time. And I was talking to Rachel Hart, who I work with, who's another producer, and I was like, I've committed a fucking cardinal sin. And she was like, what? And I was like, the thing that we always bitch about. And I was like, I slept through my own podcast record. And she was like, at least I was like, I know. I don't know how to make it up to them. Oh, my God. It's also <laughs> like, but like, you know, if we're talking about stereotypes, the person with ADHD forgetting about it is so spot on. So it's kind of really? funny with that when we're like, do you reckon she forgot? She yep. about the ADHD episode. Mm. Well, that kind yep. of tips and boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was like, just also invite my work calendar, and then I definitely won't forget. <laughs> we will forget. Sick. We Thank will forget. you. Thank you. Um, you're a legend. We'll let you know when it's up. The question, Erica. Oh my goodness. The fun. The, the question we have at the end with is at least we'd love to know what your real disability is. My real disability. Like Erica is remembering questions, but what's yours? Mine is that can, no one can come close to being as cool as me. <laughs> right, it's, so they're being conceited. Nice. It's, <laughs> you, you can also say being too humble. Yeah. Yeah. Really- yeah. Mine is that I'm I'm too humble. I'm too good at everything. I was being sarcastic. I'm being sarcastic. I'm not humble at all. What is my real disability? I mean, apart from terrible eyesight. It is a really <sighs> difficult question. What is my real disability? Oh, my real disability is uh, n- never putting my shoes back in the same place. And my husband is always chasing me around the house going, can you please just put them under the stairs? And I'm like, but they're so good at the front door and the back door and under the bed and under my desk. And then I get mad when I lose my shoes. <laughs> I did not expect that answer. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kip. Yeah. Bless him. Beautiful, sweet Poor angel man. Husband. Constantly finding my shoes for me. You're the best. Thanks so much for your time, Elise Cooper. Thanks so much, Erica. If you have any concerns or queries around anything that we discussed, please don't hesitate to reach out to the WeFlex team. To keep our lawyers happy, we would like to note that whilst we are talking about health, fitness and whatever random BS we stumble into, your health is ultimately your responsibility. Please seek out actually know about these things. Seriously, if we are the only people you are listening to for health or life advice, you have much bigger problems. Please, for the love of God, Don't ignore your medical professionals and listen to us instead. If this episode has been triggering for you, we strongly recommend contacting Lifeline on 13 11 14.